Hello and welcome to episode 7 of Let's Talk Hockey. On today's show, joining me is Adam Bidolf. Hi, pal. And it gives me very uh, much pleasure to introduce a very special guest. One I'm really excited to get on and he won't mind me saying that he's a veteran of the game. Uh, He's also been our inaugural captain of our ice hockey team, the Nottingham Outlaws. Please welcome Stu Wilson. What a great intro. Thanks, Max. Thanks for asking me along. No problem. So, before we get into your period one questions uh, to you, Stu, a few things about what we're going to go through on the, sh- on the show. Uh, as always with the new guests, like I said, we're going to go through your get-to-know-you questions. We're also going to be looking at some hockey news and uh, also fan interaction, how that's changed over the years. As always, behind the scenes, Dan, our producer and teammate from Pixel Factory, is silently working away, making us sound awesome as always. More information from them coming in the period breaks. And now, on to period one. Stu, welcome to the show. Cheers, mate. Period one, we're going to do your get-to-know-you questions. And the first, most important one, how did you find the sport of ice hockey? Okay, well, uh, you you mentioned the term veteran in the intro there, which, uh, (laughs) you know, is is, is probably quite apt because I've got to go back 40 years um, to to my intro to hockey. Um, I'm... Assuming you guys are aware that the Panthers way way back folded in 1960, and then you know they 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 weren't around until they were around September 1980. Um, and I was actually at that first game um, back in September 1980. I was probably six or seven at the time, um, and I can remember it pretty clearly. In the run, I can remember my dad saying, "You know, hey, we're, we're all going to watch ice hockey tonight." You know, it was a Saturday. Um, and I'd never heard of ice hockey. Didn't have a clue that the game even existed. I didn't even have a clue that there was a rink in Nottingham, anything. And, and I can remember not wanting to go. You know, I was kicking off. You know, I'd probably want to be out playing football with my mates on the, you know, the Saturday evening or something. Um, but went down and, and immediately hooked. Um, you know, it was uh, it was just something so different. Never, as I say, I'd never seen the game before. Never knew it existed. Um, and uh, as, a, as a family, we, we all started going down um, right from that first game, which I believe was a 7-5 victory against the Solihull Barons. Um, and I can, it's a, a, a funny little sort of story that I can remember from that first game, even, you know, even though it's so long ago and my mind is, uh, you know, getting puddled these days. But I can remember sitting there watching watching the, the, the action on ice and I'm sat next to my dad. And I wasn't really quite sure what was going on. Um, I'd say that about some games that are playing now, to be honest. But uh, hey, um, and I can remember turning. I remember turning to my dad and saying, "Is that is that the scoreboard up there?" And he said, "Yeah." Um, which at the time in, in the old Nottingham rink was basically this um, sort of like revolving drum of paper with numbers printed on it that this guy used to hand crank round when when the score went up. And he said, "Yeah, that's the scoreboard." I said, "Well, you know, they're, they're you know, I probably didn't even say puck because you know they're, they're they're putting that thing in in the net past the goalie. Why are they not Why are they not putting the scores up?" My dad just looked at me and said, "They're just warming up." Um, 
So we was watching the warm up. You know, that's 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 literally how little I know about the sport. You know, they were firing pucks in from the blue line, and you know, and I'm wondering why they weren't recording the goals. Um, but yeah, hooked hooked from there. Um, went you know all, all through that first season, and then uh, the following season they started introducing the the season tickets, which had and had a season ticket at the old barn right up until the, the last season in, in 2000 uh, when it sadly shut down. Um, so that was my first intro, although I didn't actually get a chance to start playing the game myself for um, for about another sort of um, nine years or so um, in 1989. Fair enough. That's a, a wicked story and a good timeline back through uh, through some Panthers history. Um, a little bit selfishly myself, I got a chance to uh, work for and um, kind of meet the guy who brought the Panthers back to Nottingham. Gary Keewood? Yes, him and a, and a few others and stuff and sitting in his garden whilst we're doing some uh, uh, some horticultural work um, and uh, talking through those uh, those times and bringing the Panthers back and stuff. It was uh, awesome stories. Because, they, I mean, the team basically came down from Sheffield. They, they decamped mm. the... Uh, the Sheffield Lancers at the time, because Gary was uh, was Canadian and he he moved over back to the UK and his sons were playing up there, Dwayne and Chris, who were two of the the inaugural um, stars of, of the Patwell, Dwayne certainly. Um, and uh, yeah, so he brought the team down um, and they were mostly Sheffield guys, local Sheffield guys, names like Martin Lund, um, um, Dave Webster, um, People like that, uh, of course, the, the, the keywords, and they they all made the made the trip down. So I guess you know we we do owe Sheffield a little bit, really, in Nottingham. Um, yeah, hate to say it, you know. <laughs> yeah, just to, to say how much of a rivalry we have is the the histories are intertwined, and there's no there's no getting oh, around yeah, that. Oh yeah, 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 not at all. Yeah. So moving on to your second question, uh, what teams or players do you follow? So obviously you sp- spoke about the Panthers, but anything. Maybe across the pond, or even in yeah. Europe. I mean, I've uh, never really been, and um, you know, I know a lot of lot of hockey fans. You know, they have their their sort of you know their favourite KHL or NHL team, and they'll follow those quite passionately. That's uh, you know, been a little boring here for you. I'm I'm, I'm not really of, of of that type. You know, follow the Panthers, and and that's about that's about it. Um, but um, you know, I, I suppose uh, you know, I did for a time. I, I lived over in the states for a few years, and, and I lived in New Jersey. So during that time, um, you know, I, I used to go and watch the Devils quite a lot. So follow the Devils, and still, you know, keep an eye on on the results there. Um, and then I did move, and I lived in Pennsylvania for a while, uh, quite near Philly. So um, you know, I, I sort of you know switched allegiance and became a Flyers fan. Um, and uh, yeah, I remember one interesting game. I actually, uh, as, as a Flyers fan, went on a road trip uh, back to Jersey to watch a uh, quite a lively preseason um, game up there, which was, uh, I guess, there's a few guys looking to get a few fighting places. Um, and uh, yeah, so being being an away supporter in the rink that used to be my my home rink, so to speak, was quite uh, was quite amusing. Um, so uh, and then and then uh, you know I still like to keep an eye on the results of one of the teams I used to play for over in um, over in, in Delaware, um, the, the Evil Monkeys, who were nice. uh, actually uh, rather jealously, you know, they're, they're actually back on the ice at the minute. Um, I see, you know, I'm still in the Facebook group and I get invited to all the games. I keep reaching out to the guy that, that runs it, Tim, and saying, you know, 
just just send me the airfare over Tim and I'll hop over and you know pick a spot but <laughs> nothing's come over yet so I'm, I'm I'm not holding out much hope for that um so yeah that's 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 it really I don't I don't have a favorite team other than uh, the outlaws um of course and, uh, and, of course. and Panthers so can't so so can't wait can't wait for them those two teams to get back on the ice uh, really most definitely most definitely um moving on to something a little bit more put a little bit more personal is uh, what does your number mean to you first off you need to tell us what number you play in uh, but yeah, what does it, does, if if at all, does your number mean anything to you? Yeah, there, there is there is a there's a bit behind it. I play 20, uh, 21, um, which um, which strangely for me because I've I've always played I've always played forward. Um, really, sort of landed on that number because of a, a player that I really admired um, you know, back in the sort of eighties and early nineties, uh, who was a defenceman. Um, a, a Canadian guy by the name of Chris Kelland, who always played twenty one. I don't know whether you guys have heard of him. Mm. Um, he uh, he was uh, you know big star up in in Murrayfield when the races were strong and uh, you know one of the, the the British teams and he um, when he came down to and signed for Panthers it was a you know it was a, it was a big coup it was a big big move he followed uh, albeit a few years later Alex Dampier um, who'd come down as as coach from from Murrayfield. Uh, and it was after Dampier had led Panthers to the first British Championship. I always admired him as a player. He was a real, real hard player, Mister Consistent. Played with like the the world's smallest stick. Um, and uh, you know, I, I just really, really admired him as a player. And even when he used to come down with a successful Murrayfield team, and you know, they'd wipe the floor with Panthers more often than not. Um, I, I respected him, and I just thought it was, uh, you know, it was a, it was a cool number to, to take. So. Um, yeah, that was uh, that's where that came from. It is always nice when you can kind of relate to a to a player and some somebody to kind of em- emulate. And it's nice that it has a, as I, I like that question because it has a lot of personal touch to it. Um, yeah. What is your favourite memory of hockey? Either playing, what uh, playing or watching, or if you can do both, that'd be awesome. Yeah. Well, I, I, I'll give you. I'll give you. Probably one of each. I think. Uh, I think certainly for me, you know, I've 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 watched a lot of hockey over the years and some great games. And you know, the the, the Panthers' um, first piece of silverware, uh, Norwich Union Trophy, uh, Norwich Union Cup back in like '86 was was great. But for me, it's got to be that that uh, league clinching win uh, in Belfast in 2013. I was fortunate enough to be there. Um, you know, for, for me, having supported the team since they reformed and seen, you know, a lot of success, but that league, as, as we all know, was just, uh, you know, out of our grasp. Um, so, you know, actually having the chance to be there in Belfast and it was, you know, one, one hell of a party afterwards in, in Rockies, um, you know, it was, it was great. And, and a little funny story <clears throat> behind being there was um, uh, I, I'd just come back from from the US, um, I'd, I'd been over there seven years. So, you know, my hockey fix, you know, with Panthers was was very limited. There weren't really that many webcasts at the time. Used to watch a few games, Coventry were doing a few then and, and stuff like that. Um, so I hadn't watched much Panthers hockey for a long time. So coming back um, at the start of that season, um, I don't know if you guys remember Tim Kirk, who played a few games for the Outlaws. Yep. Um, yeah. When the fixtures came out for for that season, right back in in August, Tim Tim rang me and he says, "Hey, have you seen that Belfast doubleheader um, in 
when would it have been? Would it have been May? Uh, trying to think of the dates. Right back at the end of the season, he said, uh, "He said we're going to go. We need to go. I'll sort it out." He said that that weekend that will be the title deciding weekend. Wow. I mean, on paper, Panthers were assembling a you know a good side, um, so we knew what the side was. But then, you know, so many years before those good sides had been assembled. So he, Tim went ahead and booked all the, the, the flights and, and accommodation and everything. And, uh, you know, and, and it actually happened. You know, I wish I'd have had a few quid on it at the time, but he, he called it way, way back in August. And, you know, we were, we were fortunate to be there. So that was, that was great. And then on the playing side, I think, um, you know, I think for me, um, the, uh, the Nottingham tournament that we, that we beat uh, the Phantoms in, it's got to be. I mean, you know, I've, I've played a lot of games over the last sort of 30 odd years. Um, but for me, that was just the, the number one sort of team performance that I was involved in. You know, every man to every shift, uh, you know, fought for everything, fought for each other, never gave up. And, uh, you know, it was just, just a fantastic result and a fantastic game. And, and still to this day, I maintain that I saw one of the best um, net-minded performances I've ever seen in rec hockey. I know I'm biased because he's a good mate of mine and has been for years. Um, but Mansell, just you know, just to say he's still on his head is a massive understatement, and it was just a joy to watch and be part of. Yeah, most definitely. Like so, Mansell, hopefully future guest of uh, of this podcast. Um, he wants to do a uh, more of a face-to-face than, a, than an online. Uh, interview which i think will be a lot better anyway um especially have you seen his face well (laughs) it'll be be covid safe sorry man it'll be be covid safe behind the screen so i don't think it'd be too bad um but no yeah he is an absolute legend in nottingham get get an get an opaque screen well um (laughs) with just a his his picture on the front his like profile on the front of a better picture um but yeah yeah, that that nottingham tournament's been brought up uh Pretty much, I think, with every single guest. Yeah, it's just, just an amazing, amazing game. Um, you know, it was just, uh, you know, the, the whole, every player, every shift, um, say, obviously, the result was was what we wanted. But, uh, you know, just the way the way that we did it and, uh, you know, and against you know, a very, very, very strong team, um, you know, it was just, just a great performance. Yeah, we, we pretty much shouldn't have been in that final, realistically, in the, in, in the way that, the other teams were in that tournament. We probably shouldn't have been in that final, but we made it there. And, mm. and I, I think I, I still put that down to the biggest upset that's ever happened in in Nottingham. If I'm honest, that mm. Mm. going into that, people people had us written off like, oh, okay, you know, the, the uh, Phantoms have got this, and then to put on that that full team performance all the way through, and yeah, it was it, it, it for, for me it felt just deserts because. It it was a full team performance, like we keep saying. Um, quickly on the on the Belfast, though, I got I wasn't lucky enough to be there, uh, but the Panthers did put on. Well, Belfast put on the webcasts, and Panthers put on a uh, viewing party. I think we had three hundred people turn up in the arena. Uh, for, um, wow! Yeah, in one of the uh, conference rooms in the arena, and they had it on the big projection screen and stuff. And we were chanting all the way through that, and uh, the party was just as well felt over this side of uh, <laughs> over this side in Nottingham as it was over in Belfast. That was uh, yeah, it was, that it was, was a special, a great night. Yeah, it was a great night. Moving on to something 
a little bit different. You've already mentioned a few players from back in the Panthers' time. Uh, but we've tasked you to put yourself on a line with four other players and a goalie. Just run us through who's on that who's on that line. <clears throat> Do you know what? I'm going to have to own up to something here. I've not even considered naming the netminder. <laughs> 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 Sorry, net, netminders everywhere will be like spitting the air. You know, they're weird. Um, yeah, they're weird. Breed. I'll, I'll have to think of one as as we go. Um, so. Um, it's going to be largely wreck, really. Um, I mean, I think for me, um, the, the the first line um, has, has got to be myself with uh, Tom Peacock and uh, Vic Severo, um, which was a line um, that that we played on an Outlaws about sort of three four years ago, um, before Vic's sort of up sticks and left us. Um, and that was probably out of all the years I've played hockey was uh, was probably my, my most uh, enjoyable year and probably most productive year um, you know I think um, uh, you know I think Stephen Hawkins would have registered a few points if he centered those two guys to be honest <laughs> um, you know it was, it was a you know it was a joy joy to play um, joy to play alongside him and we were lucky to be quite a regular um, line that year and two two fantastic players two fantastic skaters. Um, who, who both sort of read the game a lot and uh, you know it, it was nice to have that consistency and you know know what each other was doing um, you know particularly um, it was a great great little move that we used um, direct from face-offs with uh, myself and Vic of just sort of chipping it forward for him and he just uses speed and burst past I remember a great game at uh, Coventry when we um, we, we scored and we went to the centre circle and we did it twice in succession to score two more <laughs> goals. Um, and these, these uh, I remember Spitfires were just sort of shaking their heads and looking at Vic and just wondering what was going off and they, they just didn't know what was hitting them. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that was the most enjoyable hockey I think I've ever played was that year on, on that line with those two guys. Um, and interesting enough, Peacock uh, was actually on the losing side in the Nottingham final. So, uh, sorry about that one, Tom, but... <laughs> I'll make it up for you with 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 being on my on my uh, my favourite dream line there. Um, <clears throat> then going back on D, um, probably a guy that I, I, I doubt whether any of you guys will know. Again in rec, but uh, probably early two thousands, there was a a, a, um, a Finnish guy who played Mavericks um, and also played North Stars, where I was playing at the time, called Michael Bortman who was such a class player and, uh, you know, he, he, he basically ran a game at Grimsby once and nobody could even get near him on that ice. So, um, yeah, Michael was, was one of the classiest players I've, I've played with. Um, he was one of these players that um, you looked at him and you didn't think his legs were doing anything, but he just got around that ice like you just wouldn't believe. Um, so, you know, I definitely have him at the back and uh, I'd probably partner him with um, with an old Panthers player Terry Curtinback who um, you know at, at, at the time was was by far the, the classiest D-man um, and you know it was at the time where he was probably doing 55-60 minutes a game for the Panthers when it was back in the, the three import days um, part of a lot of success that the Panthers had and it was just he was just such a great player to, to watch and, and uh, be in the team you were supporting uh, netminders, um, 
I'm going to go Panthers again, and I think uh, I, I think for me, you know, with all the success that uh, that he backs up them to, um, you know, K Wall's got to be one of the, the favourite netminders that I've that I've ever watched. Um, there's been you know a lot of lot of good classy netminders, but uh, I think I'd have to plug for for K Wall between the pipes. Yeah, definitely. Well, you've you've put an absolutely stoic line uh, together, um, curtain back. I, I I never got to see him play, but through people I know at the Panthers, um, an absolute class act on and off the ice. Um, mm. Like you said, didn't really know about, much about your, your other D-man, but he sounds like he was uh, a dream to watch. Uh, and then obviously that forward line, we got to see in action a few times. Hey, Biddy. Mm. Oh, yeah, that's a magical line that was always put the points up. Yeah, I just wish I was quick enough to be taking one of those spots, maybe away from Peacock. So... Something we haven't done with um, any other guests. We're going to try something new with you, Stu. It's the uh, it's the lightning round. So oh, it's your favourite or best of these categories. Uh, we're going to blitz through these. Hopefully, they're, they're one, uh, there should be one-word answers. So do your best. If you get stuck, you can pass. Um, you can pass, okay. So if you don't have one or whatever. So are you ready? Go on then, fire away. Okay, lightning round. Your favourite or best hockey brand? Hockey brands gotta gotta be Bauer all, all the time. Uh, not you're not allowed to pick Nottingham, but what is your favourite hockey rink? Uh, favourite hockey rink? Um, it's not there anymore, but it's where I scored my first goal many years ago. Durham it was a great old barn. Fantastic. Uh, favourite or best opposition? Somebody to play against? Team. Um, Team uh, going back quite a while, but uh, but the sort of um, solid team, solid rec team of like the uh, the the early nineties, uh, probably one of the uh, the meanest, hardest bunch of guys you'll ever play against. But brilliant games, used to love it. Um, some of them still playing now. Uh, yeah, great games. Awesome. Something we're going to come to in a later uh, later segment of the <clears throat> of the podcast. But what's your favourite or best jersey ever? Favorite or best jersey ever? Um, well, uh, crikey! Um, I guess I, I guess I'd go for like the the real sort of retro original Panthers jerseys. Um, and uh, I'll tell you a little bit more why when we talk about the other jerseys because there's a specific reason why. Okay, <laughs> definitely. Okay, uh, white or black stick tape? Uh, black at the bottom, white at the top. Wow. Uh, skate tongues tucked or untucked? Tucked. Uh, post-game drink of choice. Um, post-game drink of choice. Uh, crikey. Uh, any any lager will do me. No problem at all. <laughs> uh, just, just, just not special brew. Played a game once years ago at Medway. They gave us a case of special brew. Um, it's like drinking like tar. It was <laughs> awful. And finally, hockey movie. A hockey movie. Hockey movie. Um, it's got to be slap shot. Fantastic. Easy. So that ends our lightning round. And of course, it ends period one. Thank you very much, Stu. We're going to move on to period two. You better think about something else, each and every one of you. When you pull on that jersey, you represent yourself and your teammates. And a name on the front is a hell of a lot more important than the one on the back. Get that through your head. 
Okay, welcome back to period two of Let's Talk Hockey. In this one, we're going to go over some fan interaction uh, through the years. Seeing as Stu's here, he can kind of attest to some some of the older days and what it was like. And um, first off, supporters clubs. Are they a good thing? Are they a bad thing? Does every club need them? Um, just kind of getting your guys' thoughts on them. Done a bit of research into what elite league teams have uh, supporters clubs, and it seems that Pretty much every club has one apart from our beloved home, Nottingham Panthers. Um, do you think a team needs a supporters club, Biddy? Um, no, not... Well, it shows you don't, because obviously we haven't got one. Uh, obviously, a good couple of years ago, we used to have one. So I remember when I used to go down to the games in 2008, 2009. Uh, I was just walking past, they used to be out on the uh, street with the little silver cards passing out for people to joined the supporters club which uh, never really took me interest cause, like they never actually explained what it was they just wanted your money so I was like nah I'm off but no, nah, I don't think you need them say so if the league puts the work in and does it themselves I don't think you really need a uh, supporters club to do it as well Fair enough so one of the things that I've seen that uh, I've been on the Belfast site I've been on the Cardiff site Sheffield um, and a few others even Guildford uh, a lot of these supporters clubs are set up to help run the teams and help uh, in not only finances, um, but to kind of give that extra connection between player and and fans. Now, Stu, you've been around the game a little bit longer than both of us. Maybe you can attest to how that was back in the day and if it's kind of moved more into what I would call a football state of mind where it's kind of like us as players and them as fans. Or us as a team. I mean, I think go, you know, go, going back, um, you know, if we, if we make the division with, say, like the the, the old stadium and, and and the new arena, yeah, and, and pre um, pre Super League days, um, you know, there was there was you know smaller rink, um, and, and the layout of the rink, the fans and the players would you know be in much closer quarters um you know the, the old the old panthers ring um you know you, you'd got home fans literally you could reach down and they did on occasions and and you know grab the shirts of of the uh, opposite team uh you know <laughs> mate of mine he had his season ticket like three rows behind the uh, opposition bench that just had a, a bit of netting behind it and you know his his, his old man was always you know throwing mints and things at, at players and stuff like that so you know there was there was that real real closeness and even down on the concourse you know that was that was shit so you know the players had come down and you know in the early days they'd literally just you know have to barge through the people on the way to the bar to get to the dressing rooms they did sort of um you know get the security and sort of stop people moving past the dressing rooms while the players went in but it was you know real closeness um, fans and players yeah, I can remember times as well where you'd be down having having a beer near the dressing rooms, and a couple of players would be out having a cigarette and stuff. Um, you know, in between periods, you know, in the days where smoking was good for you. Oh yes, and um, and I think as well, you know, certainly pre um, pre Super League days, you had a lot more sort of local um, players that were you know there a long time at, at teams. So you know, the relationships were there with, with the fans longer term and obviously family and, and, and close friends and things like that. So, um, you know, it was it was a different animal back in those days, both sort of rink geographically 
and due to the the you know the makeup of of the team and uh, you know a lot of local lads. You know, I was talking about the Panthers in the the early eighties, and you know, as, as as they grew and developed, you know, and, and the local lads came through and they were there for years. You know, people like Simon Hunt and you know players such yeah. as that. So you know, knew everybody and they were there a long time. Um, so you know that relationship was a lot closer. The new bigger rinks, such as you know Sheffield, Nottingham. There's a geographical division, which you know is is needed really between the fans and the players on game nights and things. Um, but uh, but also you know the teams are a little bit more transient now, and the rosters change a lot more frequently. So you know those relationships um, you know don't don't get built. Other kinds of relationships uh, apparently do, um, but I don't <laughs> think we'll go into those. Um, no, we'll we'll stay off, we'll stay off those for the for this episode. So one thing that the supporters clubs uh, would set up is meet and greets and events to interact with the players uh, a lot more. Um, Biddy, you've already alluded to that you haven't, you were kind of never part of those supporters groups and stuff. But have you been to any sort of uh, fan events uh, where you've been either with players or a signing event or that sort of thing? And kind of how was it set up and how was how was the whole experience? If you've been to one, how was the whole experience? Um, yeah, um, I've been to a few actually, funny enough. Uh, when I was uh, a little bit younger, my ex-girlfriend was a really big fan of hockey as well. So we used to go to quite a few games together. And they had a jersey signing slash um, sale day of game one so up in the third floor at the rink. Uh, we could go along and like, they had the auction where you could bid on like player one jerseys. And yep. that you had about... 10, 11 of the players at the time that was there that was uh, going around signing people's jerseys, uh, which was obviously set up by the Panthers with um, uh, Gary Moran at the front doing all of his hoo-hahs that he likes to do because he loves being the centre of attention. Um, so, yeah, that was quite good. And obviously, they've done quite a few of the um, skate with the players uh, out on the ice uh, on public sessions. Uh, like The last one was a couple of years ago, uh, Christmas time I went to, and you had a Lapine out there, a Lakovic, and stuff like that. And you could actually go skate with them, ask them questions on the ice. And apart from a few of the the foreign players, that which a language barrier was a bit difficult for you, so I can understand that. But all of them was dead friendly enough where they would actually have the time to stop, chat, take pictures, and all that. And it was actually really good fun. Now like you got to see them as a person instead of as the player, and they actually acted like a person instead of a player. It was really nice. Yeah, I've been to a, I've been lucky enough to be part of uh, a sponsor of the team, and um, with that comes uh, a few kind of extra little perks here and there um, that you get to go along to a sponsors only a sponsors only skate with. So it's not just anybody from the public that turns up; it's um, any, anybody who sponsors in any sort of way, whether it be sponsors a player or is part of a company that sponsors the team, a uh, corporate sponsor. Um, they have a kind of private event for those and yeah definitely they're, they're, every single player that's ever been on the Panthers that have been at those events have been fully approachable fully easy to ask questions about um, they don't they're not standoffish they'll, they'll even at times come up and talk to you um, and it's always it's always nice to know that they they appreciate it 
it's always nice to know they, they, they're aware of the fans because there is a kind of that, I, I feel, especially in the in some of the big arenas like Belfast and Sheffield and, and Nottingham, it is kind of like a fishbowl. Like the, the, you're watching this sport and it's behind the glass and there's this barrier between you and the sport. And it's like, okay, these are the guys that are doing the sport and we're just them watching. And there's no kind of... <clears throat> That barrier is, is it always seems to be there, but then these these events kind of seems to be a nice way it breaks that down, and you kind of the players uh, get to kind of meet the fans, and the fans get to see the players as regular guys rather than just these guys they pay X amount to see see play their sport. Um, other things that teams have set up rather than supporters clubs is uh, testimonials. Um, we've seen a few. In recent years, uh, I've been lucky enough to be a part of a couple of them. I kind of want to delve in. Do you think that they are either a distraction to the players in the uh, kind of like the league campaign, or are they more of a morale boost, or, or you just kind of feel a bit indifferent about them, Stu? I don't think they'd be a distraction, to be honest. Um, you know, the, obviously, a testimonial is is a bigger fish than just the one game night. You know, there's always a lot of events that lead up to that. Um, but you know, people, you know, you know, even even the players, they, they're doing other stuff. You know, they, you know, if they, if they're not doing a testimonial event one Saturday, you know, one Friday evening, you know, and there's no hockey, they'd, they'd be going out anyway. You'd assume. So you know, I don't think there'd be a distraction to to the league campaign. And uh, you know, I think. Uh, you know, I think I think they can be a lot of fun, and I think the fans get a lot out of them, as 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 well as you know, hopefully the the, the player concerned does. Now, you know whether you know whether they are actually needed. I mean, I'm not sure you know financially how much these deliver to um, you know to, to hockey players in the UK. I mean, certainly it's going to be nothing like some of the uh, you know the, the football ones do. Um, but um, you know, certainly in terms of recognition as well to, to players that have you know been with teams, you know when you look at players like David Clark and you know the commitment and tenure that he had with Nottingham, you know it's it's only right, um, you know as as a recognition as and a, and a thank you for that player who's you know who served the club so so well. So you know I think there's definitely a place for them. Um, you know, I, I don't know to what you know to what degree they actually deliver for the player concerned, but, but I, I think I think they fit in, and I think they're in, an important part of a of a club recognizing you know key uh, key players. Yeah, and I kind of think there's kind of like a tier system as to as to recognition from a team to a player, as in like he gets mentioned on the website or he's kind of a, a talked about player in the, in the stands and the fans. And then there's the testimonials and then eventually you kind of work your way up to getting your jersey retired. Do you think that's a, like, a, like a fair assessment? Mm, yeah, I, I guess so. I guess so. I mean, if you invite me on on a later podcast in, in a few years, then, you know, maybe, you know, maybe I'll be able to tell you what a testimonial actually does deliver to the player. I don't know what outlaws are, you know, planning to do, but surely it can't be that long. <laughs> Can't be. It can't be that. Can't be. Can't be that. Maybe, <laughs> maybe for that. Maybe, maybe for more regular training sessions, we'll, uh, we'll uh, training. We'll, we'll, training what? Sorry, Max. They're familiar with that concept. Um, just practice time to hit a puck. <laughs> I just like the fact that Stu thinks we're ever going to let him leave. He's going to be rolling around in his wheelchair out there. <laughs> oh, man. Tell me. I'd find. We, we would find a way. 
Final thing I want to talk about on this period is who does it best from the outside looking in. So things that you've seen on Facebook, on Instagram, Twitter, wherever you might see it out in social media, um, who does it best? You, elite leagues, NHL, lower league teams in the UK or around um, around the world uh, or non-team events. Um, and some of the things that you've seen um, event-wise so I know that there's teddy bear tosses um, and all those sort of things. What do you think is your favourite or the best kind of fan interaction that you've seen happen, maybe in those leagues or you've seen happen at all? Biddy? Uh, well, obviously the NHL does do it best. There's no denying it because they've got the funding behind them and the reputation because they are for the National League. And obviously the teddy bear toss that they do, which... Um, I'm so glad that we do over in this country as well now, uh, which I've been to a few of the Panthers ones and helped collect the beers off the ice, which is amazing. And it's a really good course. So I'm glad that they actually take the time away from doing the sports to help out these charities. But yeah, like I said, the the NHL's got to take it because they've got all that extra help where the lower leagues and obviously non-teams don't have at all. So yeah, it's, it's not a fair comparison to Port like a wrecked team that's trying to advertise itself against someone like the Pittsburgh Penguins, let's say, because they just haven't got that media cover. Stu, any sort of events that you've seen uh, that kind of catch your eye? I don't know. I mean, I, I don't think I've really got enough um, sort of knowledge, experience of, of individual events, but I think if, you, if you're talking about an overall sort of fan team um, PR and strategy, for me, I, I think uh, I think the team that leads leads the way in the, in, in the UK is got to be Cardiff. Um, I think just the way they the way they communicate, the way you see them interacting with fans, uh, you know, right the way through the organisation, um, it's you know it's 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 good conversations they have. They seem to listen and they communicate uh, without uh, you know wads of you know PR waffle. Um, I think I think they you know I think they lead the way. I'm not too sure what they do in terms of actual events. Um, you know I think you've got uh, uh, you know I hate to say it on on sort of another extreme. I, you know I think Nottingham are very very poor at it. Um, you know it's my opinion. Um, and you've got you know a great knowledgeable fan base, and there's certain pockets of that fan base that you know put out some great content about the sport and the team. And uh, there just seems to be a bit of a bit of a blocker and a bit of a divide there between the two sides. Uh, but I think uh, I think most of the stuff that Cardiff do um, pretty much sets sets a standard that other teams should should follow, in my opinion. Yeah, definitely. It's it's something that we've kind of alluded to to their on ice um, success as well. Is that they, they, that club since being taken over by the collective group um, of owners that were based out of uh, Calgary um, since that takeover they've they've seemed to have done it right and the on ice product shows for themselves their fan interaction shows for themselves um, kind of the general fan happiness and the buzz around that team just kind of speaks to how much the rest of the elite league teams need to step up their game to, to kind of keep matching I can't see Cardiff taking any sort of step back in the next what three four five years they're always going to be top one or two in the league I'd say if not in a Challenge Cup final um, and definitely at the playoff final 
um, weekend every year. Well, ne- um, next season they'll certainly be top five, I guess. Well, definitely, and that's uh, <laughs> that's going to lead us perfectly into period three. We'll see you after the break. Great moments are born from great opportunity. And that's what you have here. That's what you've earned here tonight. Tonight, we are the greatest hockey team in the world. And welcome back to the third period of today's episode. So like Stu mentioned just before the break, the Elite League is going to look incredibly different this year, or potentially incredibly different depending on COVID. The five UK teams will play some sort of shortened season according to uh, league officials. Uh, The UK government has given the Elite League £4 million uh, to return to play, but that is only for the UK-based, no, sorry, not the UK-based, the England-based teams. So Scotland's uh, Glasgow clan, Dundee Stars and Five Flyers, as well as the Belfast Giants and the Cardiff Devils, their governments have not um, okayed them to play or been part of this is just the English teams uh, that being Sheffield, Coventry, Manchester, Nottingham, Guildford. So yeah, those those five teams will play in some sort of uh, shortened season apparently for a league title. Um, I don't know whether they'll have time to get a Challenge Cup in um, but playoffs are also being thought and scheduled of as well. What have you seen? Um, what have you seen of the news, and what do you think of them only being a five-team league? We'll start with Biddy. Yeah, it's uh, so obviously it's great news. Uh, obviously, we all want hockey to come back, and uh, good, nice to see our lads back out there playing the game that we all like to watch to play. Um, sorry, like watching them play. The only thing, listening to some of the interviews and what I've read, is that it's only going to be a twelve-week season, and. Obviously, depending on how it goes, they've not even confirmed if it would be a playoff or anything yet. 12 weeks, to that many games, and I, just, I think it's a bit of a rush because obviously they want to have it finished before the uh, uh, boys go out with the GB team to play in the Champions. So, not Champions, Worlds. Yeah, yeah, World, World Champions, Pool A. World Champions. Yeah. Stu, what do you make of the uh, the news that's come out in recent, recent weeks? Well, it's... Um... Uh, you know, it's, uh, it's it's a double-edged sword, really, isn't it? I mean, you know, it's it's great that there's the prospect of some hockey that's going to be played. However, what uh, you know, whatever format that is in terms of team numbers, season length, it, it ain't going to be what you know what we would like to see. So, you know, it's it's, it's like everything that's, that's sort of being disrupted with COVID at, at the minute. You know, there's there's the extremes. You either sort of, you know, schedule the whole league exactly how it should have been. I know we can't legally, but, you know, then everybody piles in stadiums, transmits COVID, and we have, you know, huge, huge issues, or you do absolutely nothing. Anywhere that you land in the middle, there's going to be people that say, wow, that shouldn't be done, or it's not right, and this, that, and the other. I think for me, um, it'd be great to get something going. Um, I think it's got to be treated as as a standalone and and, and it's, you know, to, to say the league champions, you know, it, it can't count unless, obviously, if Sheffield win it, then it will be the best league title win ever, of course. <laughs> yeah, of course. Um, 
but um, but you know it's it's it's, it's got to be treated as a standalone, and I think I think teams and the league have got to make sure that whatever is presented doesn't come across and isn't just seen as a as a bit of a money spinning activity to get the fans to dig their hands in the pockets. Um, yeah, money's important, but it's got to it's got to deliver for the fans. Um, it, you know, without it just being oh crikey, they're doing this and it's going to cost X and it's going to cost Y. Um, whatever whatever is done, um, but you know, some hockey will be great, but it's got to be. It's, for me, it's got to be um, sort of firewalled from records and 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 you know history and things like that. Not forgotten, but just sort of treated very differently. And it's it's got to deliver um, value to the fans and not be seen as something that's just put out there just to get some revenue in. Yeah, most definitely. Some of the things that they're looking at is having uh, a bubble, very similar to how the NHL did things. So maybe two hub cities and uh, players living in hotels and that sort of thing. That really concerns me, if I'm honest with you. Neil Black alluded to it in his uh, recent BBC Sport interview with uh, Chris Ellis, a very good interview. If you want to go and view it, it will be up on our Facebook page. Um, So go and either check it out there or on the BBC website. But he alluded to the the bubble, a a bubble format of some sort with players living in hotels um, and playing out of maybe one or two rinks. Now, from hearing what I've heard from how the NHL players have reacted to that, do you think that elite league players are going to be just uh, uh, willing at all to go through that format? Well, back to Biddy. Um, realistically, no. Uh, obviously, with the NHL players, they're on multi-billion pound contracts. Like to them, they they've kind of got to do it because of the contracts they're in. Uh, for the sort of wages our players are on over here would you really disrupt yourself from your family life being able to not see them because you've got a bubble and potentially be in a different city for so long? Uh, I just, I don't see it happening. It's not something I think they willingly do. Yeah, definitely. Another thing I want to kind of throw to, to Stu as well, a lot of our uh, British players have gone over and seeked work in teams across, um, across Europe, um, even a few of them a bit further afield than, than others. Um, by the time the Elite League is planning on getting set up, this is like Jan- uh, late January, early February. By that time, those European teams are pretty much in playoff mode. They'll be ready to, you know, kind of bear down for the playoffs, if not be setting up for them, uh, or maybe even be in, in week one of them. And Neil Black alluded to the fact that. You're going to have to try and pull players back from those uh, back from those teams. Do you see any player willingly coming back from a European team in in playoffs, coming back to the elite league? I think it depends on the individual, doesn't it? I mean, you know, Biddy was talking about he can't, and I agree 100 percent with him. You can't see the NHL bubble um, setup working in the UK, and you know, I think that's predominantly down to down to money. You know what? What players in in the UK are going to do that? You know, it's it's a totally different animal. Um, you know, it, it, it just ain't going to happen. And I think you know when you look at the Brits that have gone out there and and you know got themselves some you know some great gigs out there in in Europe and they're playing some good hockey and they're probably enjoying it and it's a change. Um, you know, they you've got to think 
what's what's best for them that you know they've got to look at it it's their it's their job it's their career um you know it's 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 paying their bills so you know they're not i wouldn't have thought they're not just going to jump ship from a you know from an established paying um paying job that's that's doing well um to to come back to the uk purely because hey we've got a five team league going and um we'd like you back um, you know, if it's viable for them to do, and it's and it's um, you know financially viable for them to do, I think they'll they'll come back. Um, but you know, every player's got to make their own decision. And and I think if you know if we sit here and expect that everybody that's um, you know flown out of the country to apply their trade elsewhere is automatically going to come back, I think uh, you know I think we're being a bit unfair on those players, to be honest. Um, some of them, you know, maybe uh, you know it's it's not in their best interest to do so. No, most most definitely. If they've got a chance to play in um, a league that gets them more widely known and yeah. better, better yeah. opposition, and uh, no slight on any team, but better, better teammates and better run organisations, then yeah, they're not gonna they're not gonna yeah. make, make make their way back over and play in yeah. some sort it's, of a bubble system. It's short, yeah, as you're saying there about about the exposure. It's it's short term. You know what, what's what's putting the money. Uh, you know what's putting the money in the bank at, at that time. Yeah. But then also medium to long term, what exposure, what opportunities, what coaching, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So uh, yeah, I think uh, you know it's it's got to be down on an individual player's um, situation and, and their decision. Most definitely. Yeah, definitely. I say touching on with what Stu saying that like even the the lower less players that have gone across, let's say that are on fourth lines that might not be getting as much ice time that people would like to see come back because they'd be getting a solid second, maybe first line. I think realistically would still rather stay where they was because the coaching levels, what they're going to be getting, will be so much better that it will give their career that extra chance to play on better lines in a better yeah. league. So would you throw away that just to get a little bit better for 12 weeks? I don't think you would. Mm. Mm. Most most definitely. It's something that is a developing situation here in the UK as to whether we're going to get ice hockey back in any sort of format and then also who's going to be on the ice playing for them it might end up being the outlaws never know <laughs> might get the but call personally I, th- I think if, the, if there's a slew of money coming in from the government into British hockey um, I mean obviously I'm not uh, you know I'm not familiar with the finances and workings of, of the uh, elite league and the individual clubs but uh, you know I, th- I think personally a sensible decision is to let's just write this year off yeah Let's let's wait till we can get the season going again properly, which hopefully would be, um, you know, uh, next year. Uh, let's not bother with this twelve week. Let's let's use this money to firm up the the, the whole base of hockey in in the UK um, and and look to start again afresh and and, and write write it off. Um, I'm sure there'd be a lot of people that would say that's a totally ridiculous opinion, but that's that's my opinion. I think if we're, you know, looking at using a lot of that money to, um, you know, to get something, you know, interim going like that, um, you know, which could fall flat on its face, I think that could be a waste of those funds. But then again, I'm not party to, you know, what the commitment from um, British Hockey is to actually receive those funds. It may be that a condition is that they seek to get product, um, you know, on the ice as soon as possible. I don't know. Yeah, I think that was kind of loosely alluded to by Neil Black in his interview was right, that okay. this this four, this four million pounds is for a return to play. So okay. 
I think to fully receive that four million pounds is for them to kind of get something on the ice in some format, um, which for certain players and maybe it's not a twelve week thing, but something I would like to see is if this twelve week thing can't go ahead or any sort of elite league can't go ahead, then do something for the GB guys, like not so much bring them over, but if for what if get get them on training. Get them on playing. Get them some. Get them some sort of games, if possible, in bubble situations. Like if they, if they go to Sheffield, they could bubble and only go to the arena and play against the Sheffield Steel Dogs, for that matter, or whoever. Get them playing some sort of a game uh, to get them uh, kind of game aware, game ready, and kind of up to the I, systems. I guess though, Max, I, I don't know because I've certainly not not even considered this or, or looked, but I would imagine that they'd all be playing. At the moment, anyway, would they? I don't. I don't know. I, are, are, there, I, are there are there any are there any that are going to be in that GB lineup that that haven't got a that haven't got a spot on a roster somewhere at the moment? I don't know. There's. I know that there's a handful that are either on a team that haven't played a game right. yet, so that so that so their league has not started, okay. or they have or they haven't had a te- or they haven't uh, found work um, mm. on, on a new team that is uh, is playing. Um, so there, there is still there, there is a number of those of those guys. It might not be a full GB squad for those for the for, the, for what I'm for what I'm considering, but something's better than nothing, especially for those guys that actually aren't even on the ice uh, playing regular games or even training regularly um, in the UK. I think that's something that fans would even pay to watch as well. Maybe not maybe not their training sessions, but definitely if they're playing some sort of a game. Um, there, there would be interest as as interest has been shown from that streaming service, uh, streaming series from the uh, NIHL from uh, Steel Dogs, Swindon Wildcats, and uh, Milton Keynes Lightning. That generated, I think, the highest viewing was twelve, uh, sixteen thousand or two thousand around that. Uh, paying customers of twelve pound each, so. The the view the views are there. There's people that want to pay and pay and watch hockey, um, so it's it's just it's just a, just a thought. We're going to move on though. We're going to move on to some more events in the news. Uh, something that I wanted to mention that uh, Kendall Coyne Schofield, female USA hockey player, uh, name might string a bell because she did the fastest skater lap in the NHL All Star. I think not last season, but the season before, uh, yeah, set, a right. really, set, a, set a really hot lap. Uh, she has been brought on by the Chicago Blackhawks organization as part of the uh, development team or player development team. It's a great leap forward for hockey in general and especially women's hockey to get someone of that stature in uh, a role within the NHL or within even just within a club. So definitely wanted to mention that. Um, also, the first I should have brought this up on my notes. I really should have. I'm sorry. Uh, the, the the guy's name eludes uh, me right now. But there is for the first time in the NHL a uh, black or person of color in a backroom staff. He is an assistant GM, the first one in the NHL. Uh, I will find the name um, before the end of this, so we can put it in. Um, but yeah, he is the first. Uh, black person within um, general managing within within ice hockey another leap forward um, it's sad that it's taken so long but again another another step forward um, so that Brett Peterson 
Florida Panthers. That's the one. So I, I'm, I'm not. I'm not claiming great knowledge. I've just with me having my machine in front of me. I've just. I've just googled it. Uh, Brett Peterson, the Florida Panthers, on Tuesday hired Brett Peterson as an assistant general manager, making him the first black executive to hold that position in the NHL. Thank you so much for doing my research. Still live on the show. Um, no I really should. I really should have done somewhere, but I only heard about it a couple of days ago, uh, and didn't write it down in my notes. Um, something a little bit more fun because we've kind of talked about some doom and gloom with the Elite League. Um, we're going to move on to something that came out a fair few weeks ago, uh, but as a, as a collector, it's something that kind of piqued my interest, is the reverse retro jerseys uh, released by the NHL. All 31 teams, including the Vegas Golden Knights, who don't have any other jersey uh, <laughs> to go back on, uh, all have a what's, called, what's being called a reverse retro. So taking an old jersey, flipping the colours or incorporating another colour scheme. Uh, I've asked guys on the show to give their top three and their bottom three. Uh, we're going to start with Stu, hit with Biddy, and then if, I, if, if I've got anything different, I'll bring up my, uh, my, my top three and bottom three too. Okay. Um, well, my, my, t- my top three and, and top, top jersey um, is New Jersey. Um, I like the jersey. And as I mentioned before, I've got an, a, an affinity to New Jersey and, and, and the team. Um, I think it's uh, you know I think it's, it's, it's a great jersey. Second one um, is the Canadians. I think that's that's a really smart jersey. And and then toss up really third, I'd either go Blackhawks or or Boston. And if you if you look at all those jerseys, um, when I was talking about my sort of favourite jersey earlier, and I said the, the original Panthers, I'm a big fan of horizontal bars of colour on a jersey. Um, you know the old school. Um, you know for me, if you've got any sort of zigzag swirl swoop on a jersey, I'm not a big fan. Seriously, I'm not a big fan. I love the I love the Outlaws jerseys because we've got those horizontal blocks of colour. Um, it's just a bit uh, maybe a bit OCD for me, and you know, and, and those jerseys deliver deliver on that. Um, and uh, so, if I'm then going on to my uh, the three that I dislike the most, yeah, please. I mean, what's, what's what's that Vancouver shirt all about? Jesus Christ, um, <laughs> Max, which one are you wearing at the minute? Is is it with the skate logo? Uh, so I'm wearing the Flying V, possibly the worst ever jersey. Yeah. The skate, the skate logo is on the arm. You see that yeah. the, the skate logo jersey for Vancouver is uh, is much better than that one in my opinion. Anyway, um, I think the St Louis jersey is an absolute abomination. Um, uh, you know, uh, if if they came knocking and said they were going to sign me on a on a on a multi million contract, even at my age, I think I'd probably turn them down just on the strength of that jersey. Um, and then in a similar vein, uh, Dallas. I mean, that's that's hideous. I mean, you think where Dallas came from? They were, they were uh, Minnesota, um, and a great, a great, a great jersey there. That was the um, way back in 1989 when the Nottingham North Stars were formed, um, which was when I first started playing. That was that was the jersey um, was the Minnesota North Stars jersey. Again, you've got the block, you've got the horizontal bands of colour. And uh, I know Dallas have played around with it with the star thing quite a lot over the years, but we just need to go back. They they could have gone back to a, a great, great classic jersey for me. Um, but yeah, Vancouver, St. Louis and Dallas uh, set fire to them. Uh, New Jersey, Montreal, <laughs> Chicago, 
get get them framed and on the wall. Most okay, okay. We'll we'll, we'll get we'll get reactions from uh, after we've heard everybody's. Uh, Biddy, you're you're up. Uh, I find that quite interesting. It must be like the uh, old versus young sort of thing. Um, but I totally disagree. So to begin with, my bottom three, it's the uh, Nashville Predators, pure and simply because it, all they've done is add a little bit of white to it. Other than that, it's this year's jerseys. I think they could have done a lot more. Uh, secondly, is the uh, the Boston Bruins one because the... The bear on the shoulder pad that looks like it's took a couple of pucks to the face. It just, it, it <laughs> doesn't it, it sit right with me. They've put, uh, what's to say with the bold stripes stuff, I like that. But I think that badge just sort of ruins it a bit, takes it down. And my least favourite, because it looks more like something that's played in a peewees sort of thing for like, yeah, let's go kids, is the uh, Anaheim Ducks with the uh, wild wings smashing out of the ice. I just think it's a bit, bit juvenile for a uh, professional uh, team and uh, my top three uh, third was uh, St. Louis Blues I actually <laughs> really I, I really like the uh, the blue and the red I think that's got a really nice contrast to it and uh, makes the logo stand out quite a bit uh, I think that's quite smart uh, my second favourite one uh, was the uh, I've lost where it's gone now uh, was the New Jersey Devils funny enough uh, again, with those bold things and, again, the red and the green, how they're contrasting against each other, uh, I think it looks really smart. And my overall favourite out of them is the Buffalo Sabres uh, with the two crossing swords with the blue backgrounds, again, with the bold stripes. Uh, again, it just, it's a really crisp jersey and looks quite smart. So, yeah, they're my top three and bottom three. Fair enough. I'll uh, quickly rattle through uh, my top three and, and bottom three. Uh, top three... Uh, Washington Capitals. I love the. I love that jersey in a red. It's the uh, Screaming Eagle uh, jersey. Um, I love the numbers on it. I, I like it in a red. It was previously in a blue and a white version. Yeah, the, that red and uh, dark navy looks really, really quite smart. Uh, diagonal lines. I know, Stu, you, you, you're twitching right now. Um, yeah, no the other one lines, is. Yeah. Um, so. Colorado Avalanche went back to the Nordiques, um, but with the Colorado uh, colours, so maroon, white, and uh, a bit of blue in there. So that's number two. And um, another one of my top three, or the last one of my top three, sorry, is the uh, the LA Kings. That chevron jersey from um, from the Gretzky area with the purple and the gold from uh, Marcel Dion. Uh, from previous to that, that's a that for me kind of sets off retro reverse. Um, it's reverse colours with, du- with with like a double dose of retro. Uh, so they're my they're my top three. Uh, bottom three, um, Pittsburgh is in there. I don't like diagonal letters. I know Outlaws has them, but for me, I just think they could have done so much more with the Robo Pen and those other jerseys they could have picked to have a retro reverse of uh the winnipeg jets just looks gray and monotone if i'm honest just looks a bit boring i know that's a really original logo um but i think they could have done something with a bit more pop and a bit more color um and then the last one uh i really don't like the flyers the flyers jersey um 
it, it just looks like a hoodie to me. It looks like something that a fan <laughs> would wear it, um, rather than uh, an NHL team. Uh, there are some others in there that are kind of like honorable mentions and stuff uh, for me, but I won't bore you with those. Um, but yeah, that's my top three and my bottom three. Something I'm going to do uh, a little bit out of uh, character now. I'm going to bring Dan in because he's obviously seen these pictures as well. Yeah, unmute, unmute yourself, <laughs> Dan, and bring yourself in. Just give us your give us your favorite, just one. He's shaking his head furiously and saying no. One day we'll get him on, and he will uh, he he will speak at one point in this podcast. I think um, Dan, Dan said Dan said he liked the uh, the New Jersey Devils one best. I think. Well, it's 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 very it's very of the time. It's very it's very Christmas. It's very red 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 and green. So, I can see why he would, he would absolutely love that jersey. <laughs> so, it's a fun way to uh, to end period three. We're going to go quickly into OT and something we've done uh, for the last few episodes now is uh, a question from our guest. So, Stu, take it away. Sure. Um, I, I, when when I was getting ready to to get online, I realised that I think I should have sent this question ahead of time to you guys. Um, so uh, apologies that I that I didn't. Um, yeah, we we talked about uh, you know we talked about NHL and we've we've talked about uh, elite league and stuff. But my my question is, you know, we're we're all rec hockey players here, um, and uh, you know we've 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 played the rec game for quite some time now in the UK between us. Um, if there's one thing that, that you could change or add to the rec game or setup in the UK, what what would that be? If there's one thing, if it, you know, take it as read that the organisation and finance would be there to deliver it, um, but it's still got to still maintain it as a, as a, as a rec game but what what would you what would you like to see happen to improve it and take it forward in in the UK? Uh, I'm going to let Billy go with this. I feel like he's with with how he's kind of part of the uh, running of a club. I think he's got a, an idea of what he wants. Mm. Yeah, um, it's going to sound a little bit arrogant, but the thing that I'd like to see brought in with Rec for the Rec clubs and the Rec teams and players is a uh, respect. Um, so many times, rinks just fob us off like we're nothing and you can have a nice time, you've got a slot and you get told at the start, yeah, you're guaranteed, you've got 44 training sessions this year, you've got them all. And then 12 months down, they're like, oh yeah, by the way, uh, this is what's going to make us more money. So your 44 has actually dropped to 38 now and later on it's like, oh, actually, you've now really got 30. And you have a game slot and it's yours. Four weeks down the line, oh, actually, no, we're, we're taking that game slot off you because we're now doing this instead. And it makes it very difficult as someone that's like a games coordinator at a club trying to organise games with other teams. makes it very difficult to do what you're trying to do because you can start talking to teams and you get a reputation going with them. You start talking back and forth. You get your dates in. You confirm it. It's all good, ready to go. And then you've got to ring up and go, yeah, by the way, I know we said you can come and play in our place, but that's cancelled. And if you've not played at their place yet, it's not too bad, but... After you've already been to theirs, it's that sort of gentleman agreement that you give them a return game and then to turn around and go, oh yeah, no, you can't come no more. It kind of makes the rec side look bad because we just don't have any pull to basically do what we need to do to keep it going. Mm. Yeah, def- definitely fair point. Something we've kind of almost kind of covered with the, the episode with Lee Stevens, go back and, uh, and listen to that. Uh, but something that I would like to, to see brought into rec is uh, regional leagues. 
or regional divisions of some sort where you play teams constantly or consistently. Um, so you'd have like Nottingham and Sheffield and Coventry maybe together and the teams in would kind of buy into that. Um, and then you'd have a league or division down south and a division up north. Uh, and then from that, make one big weekend tournament um, uh, of the champions of those you know, maybe first and second place from each one goes through in some sort of knockout tournament and uh, and does some sort of uh, so some, without without calling it a league, some sort of a league, some sort of competitive, consistent game um, with you know seedings and champion you know, championships and all sorts of in between and stuff. That's kind of what I would like to see in rank. Does that does that does that answer your question? Yeah, no, 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 no. It's a couple. Of, I mean, you know, you've, um, you know, Biddy's answer, you know, is um, is you know certainly driven by his his role and responsibilities with the Outlaws. So you know, not everyone not everyone sees that side of uh, of wreck, but I can imagine, um, you know, that there are a lot of challenges um, and a lot of time taken up to not only uh, you know make the initial arrangements, but then to um, you know to, to revise them maybe at the eleventh hour. Um, and you know, Max, what what you just said there, you know, I think you know, there's there's, there's a lot to be, uh, you know, there's a lot to be said for that sort of setup. Um, it, you know, it's uh, you can cut down on travel times. You can potentially get more regular games. You can build up, you know, build up better rivalries um, and things like that. And then you know, and, and take your regional performance out to a, you know, a wider uh, country, and uh, you know, basically represent that region. Um, but again, to do something like that, you've got to have the reliability reliability of, of the ice time. So I guess the the two things yeah. there are, are are intertwined somewhat. Most most definitely. Well, yeah. as always, we kind of run a bit over time. The final hooter has pulled the plug on this episode. It only stands for me to say thank you so much to my co-host Adam Bidolf. Yeah, cheers for having me again, mate. Thank you to Dan behind the scenes. He still won't talk. <laughs> and of course it is a pleasure to have Stu Wilson on as a guest hopefully he won't be uh, too long until he's back on again thank you so much Stu thanks guys been a blast really enjoyed it and uh, good luck with the, uh, with the with the next podcast fantastic Cheers, thank man. you very much so this has been Let's Talk Hockey my name is Max Artis thank you so much for listening we'll see you on the next one Thank you.